It is episode eight, and we have our biggest show to date. We are talking Elimination Chamber. We also have a very fun interview with Golden Boy Greg Anthony of NWA Mid-South. Stick around. This is the Oversell Podcast! Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this very special episode of the Oversell Podcast. Thank you for downloading. Thank you for following us on Twitter at Oversell Podcast. My name is Derek. I'm Dan. I am Mike. And we are here to talk a little professional wrestling. Elimination Chamber this past Sunday. Another B card, I would say. You know, another Sunday Night Raw. I'd get, I graded it a B. <laughs> that saved B. I, sa- I gave it a B mainly for two. Th- well, there are three great matches on the card. There was the tag team elimination chamber match. I thought that was very entertaining. Mm-hmm. Kevin Owens, and Kevin Owens, John Cena tore the house down, mm-hmm. and Seth Rollins and uh, Dean Ambrose. The, the we'll start with the Intercontinental elimination chamber match because we should spend like three minutes on that because oh it was such a cluster. It was a disaster, uh, biggest train wreck in a while. And do you think that's mainly because they had to pull out Rusev? And add in Mark Henry. You think no, that had a I lot think, more to do with it? No, I don't think that had anything to do with it at all. Mark Henry is great in a match as long as that match goes like it should. When uh, <laughs> and if it goes four minutes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, it, the whole thing with Mark was the uh, the cell broke, and he didn't know what to do. But how did it break? It's bulletproof glass. It's bulletproof glass. <laughs> Yeah, right, whatever. Uh, that's the worst bulletproof grass I've ever seen. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, no, it, uh, you know, it, shit happens, you know, and that's pretty much what uh, happened uh, here. A lot of shit happened. Yeah, that yeah, and, you know, freaking, it, it, I said it on Facebook, and it kind of ticked me off that with everything that started happening and everything started falling apart, there was only one person calling audibles in the ring like they should have and that was Ziggler. Yeah. He was trying to he was trying to save that match. He was doing everything he could to save that match and I think it, it was just unsavable. And it was noticeable that that's what he was doing. Very noticeable. I, and I don't like the addition of Mark Henry. I think if they could have added anyone to the match, it probably <coughs> should have been Bray Wyatt. Absolutely. But I mean, you know, I guess you need that one physical force. In a match, and I guess Mark Henry is almost as good as Rusev. Well, I mean, you got to think about it though. Well, Sheamus was the physical force. Yeah, and and, and Ryback. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, I... Yeah, and you know, if you put Bray into that position, you have the you have the uh, chance of making him look weak when he gets pinned because he's not booked to win the match. Well, know? maybe you call an audible and have him win the match. Uh, that's a possibility. Because apparently too. they called the audible and had Ryback win. Yeah, yeah. I like giving Ryback the title. I, though. I, you know what? I loved it. I, I thought it was great too. I, after thinking about it, that was the right move. That was the last thing anybody thought was going to happen. Exactly. When it was she- him and Sheamus left, I'm like, well, there's your new Intercontinental yeah, title. They're, they're yeah. finally putting it on Sheamus. The, d- you know? the dude with the dumb beard mm-hmm. is going to be your new Intercontinental. Yeah, I mean, don't don't sell Sheamus short. I mean, he's had his moments. He's had his right. world title I, moments and everything like that. I'm not selling him like short that. of anything. I think but, he has a dumb beard. Well, yeah, he's got a d- <laughs> <laughs> he's got a dumb beard. Yeah, I'll I'll uh, I'll give you. <laughs> Therefore, that one. he shouldn't be a champion. He should but, not be a champion. He has a dumb beard. Yes. Another thing I liked about that match was that Daniel Bryan got to present 
Ryback with the Intercontinental title. I guess that's yeah. another reason yeah. why I was smart yeah, having yeah. him win because what happens if Daniel Bryan hands it to Sheamus, you know? <laughs> Boot to the face. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then he's out for another six months. On top of the six months he's already exactly. out. <laughs> we had a Divas match. It was all right. Uh, nothing. It was more the same, you know. Uh, I well, don't know. It, it, they're They're getting somewhat better, but it's time to start – Inject, I think injecting some new blood into to WWE Divas title. I'm not saying call up Charlotte Banks and Sasha Banks, but go ahead and start Charlotte Flair <laughs> Charlotte and Sa- Flair. Sasha yeah. Banks. But one of them needs to kind of start injecting, they being need, injected into the main They need roster. at least two new girls. They need to bring at least two new girls from NXT up to the main roster and refresh the roster. Because the roster they've got right now, and, you know, I hate to say it, they're getting stale. Yep, uh, yep. The the roster they have, the girls' roster they have right now is stale. And there's only so many times I can see Paige, you know, wrestle, which Paige is an awesome wrestler. Yes. She deserves everything that's happening to her. She's worked hard to get where she is. She's from a wrestling family. And she's only 22 years old, so yeah. she has plenty of years left, too. Oh, yes. And she, and, you know, but there's only so much I can see of Paige trying to get the other girls over as a wrestler. Right. Right. You know? <laughs> and, you know, on Monday you had that. Idiot finish of twin the, magic, the twin magic again. And, and even though they look nothing alike now, they were wearing <laughs> yeah. different I outfits. Do, I do want to see the referee stop and go, wait, no, your tits are bigger. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I want to see that in a finish one time. I really You're care. the one wearing the weave today. <laughs> um, I was, you know, it, it's like you said, it's getting stale. And you, you got, well, you brought back Tamina. Yeah. Where the hell, where, where is she? You she know, came in for a cup of coffee, I guess, and left. I don't yeah, know. but there's, if I could see two ladies being called up from NXT, I'm gonna surprise one of you guys. I want Bailey called up. I would actually yeah. go for Bailey. That would actually be one of my picks. her entrance on Raw with the wacky inflatable waving arm tube man things yeah. would be awesome. Yes, it would. Gives the kids a better, more of a show. Mm-hmm. Um, and and she's a great performer too. Mm-hmm. If I if I honestly had to pick two people, I'd pick Bailey and Charlotte. I, I'd mm. pick Bailey and Sasha Banks because I'd bring a heel up too. Because mm-hmm. yeah. right. Sasha's killing it in NXT as that heel character. Oh yeah, uh, everyone in NXT is killing Absolutely. it. Th- there's not a bad character in NXT right now. But but when it the the divas match though at the Sunday Night Raw as we call them now. <laughs> All right, I'll. I'm not really a fan of Naomi. She hasn't really done anything to impress me. I mean, other than her shoes, I don't really remember anything about her most yeah. of the time. But I think this would have been the perfect time for her to win. Yes. I mean, the, the Bellas, like we said, they're stale. That's gone lame now. It's the, the, the Not the Bellas getting stale, but the angle's gotten stale. Well, right. You know, and the Naomi thing has kind of run its course, you know. And if they're not going to do anything with it, it doesn't make right. sense to keep it going like this. But well, I really think that, you know, if, if Naomi would have won, you know, her and Tamina is her, you know, bodyguard or whatever, hold it for a little while, and then eventually you can have, you know, her kind of turn on Tamina, Tamina turn on her, mm-hmm. and then you've got a different feud that we haven't seen. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, and... I think the reason Nikki still has that belt is because they want to be sure that AJ Lee is not in the record books. Oh yeah, for that belt. And that's that's me being kind of being a conspiracy theorist. But I mean, come on, we all know who her husband is, and they're going to do anything they can to bring CM Punk down. And people are going to say, "Oh, blah blah blah, you got to get away from CM Punk." Blah 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 blah. The WWE is doing this to mess with CM Punk and AJ Lee. They're keeping that belt on her. That's just <laughs> my conspiracy theory. <laughs> 
And I bet I as guarantee you wear your you, CM Punk shirt. As I wear, yeah. Yeah, as you wear your Punk shirt, yes. <laughs> the shirt is awesome. But um, going back to it, yeah, man, I, I want some fresh blood. And yeah, Sasha Sasha could come in and go into a program with Paige because they already had. A, I think they had some programs in NXT. Mm-hmm. Bailey could come in there. Bailey and Naomi, Naomi, if she was the champion, I think they could get into a good feud. And you she, don't you don't have to have the title to have a program. No, no, no. 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 No, you know, no. I mean that's that's the beauty of the NXT stuff. I mean, there was there's been a couple of NXT shows I've watched that had two separate women's matches in the show. Yeah, and they took up just as much time as the men's matches. Put on a great show, had an angle, had a storyline to them. You know, this girl hates that girl. Yeah, you know, and you know it it it's entertaining. There's, you know, and they're still not booking a definitive heel. Versus a definitive face in the Divas division. They're all just a bunch of catty women. That's right. That, that are just upset at each other. That's right. Get, I mean, and it sucks. I w- you, know, you stay I, away from my man. Yeah, well, I'm, <laughs> I, w- I wanted the Divas given a chance because I know if they get that chance, they're going to take it and they're going to run with it. Yeah. Paige, yeah. Paige is too good to be set back by anyone. Uh, I really like her on the mic. She can go in the ring. She tells great stories. She sells. Yes. And we're going to talk about selling because WWE's got a big problem about selling. Mm-hmm. And we'll get to that in a bit because it's going to involve John Cena. Yeah, I was thinking about that as well. <laughs> so, uh, tag team match in the inter- in Elimination Chamber I enjoyed match. that one. I, I, I greatly enjoyed that one. I th- it actually, I was surprised at how good this match was because I thought the Intercontinental match was going to be... I thought that was going to steal the show. Yeah, I thought I, it... And, I thought and, that would have uh, stolen the show, too. And I thought I thought that the tag match was going to end up being a train wreck. I really did, because <laughs> of how many people were supposed <laughs> exactly. to be in the ring. But it really... It turned out great. Oh, know? yeah, yeah. The only thing I didn't like about it was the high spots off of the cage were a Kalisto, little bit telegraphed. I th- well, and that, and they, I think you know, when Kalisto got up there, mm-hmm. he, he started did. looking down like, uh, <laughs> yeah. oh, shit. I would have, too. <laughs> <laughs> I, my fat ass wouldn't have gotten up there anyway. <laughs> It took away from it because it took too long to pull off. Yeah. Now, one thing I did like when they were doing that stuff is when Kalisto got on the New Days thing and they were grabbing. They just held him there. That was smart, man. That was very, very smart. And it had a good psychology to the match. They held him up there forever and wouldn't let him off of there. And what what do you know? The Ascension looked strong for part of the match. Yes. There was eliminated four moves. I know. (laughs) They they pinned two teams and then they got knocked out by the primetime players. That's the strongest they've looked. Yeah. Damn right. That's the strongest they've looked. So at least they're starting. Maybe that's a small push towards something. But mm-hmm. and I like the primetime players. I think this program with the new day, they're going to be. I think they're going into. Yeah. I, I like their newfound humor angles. You know, yeah, right? yeah. Those are they've well, they've got some good scripts. And, <laughs> and I love <laughs> I love Darren Young's finisher man. Mm-hmm. That thing, the kind of the go to sleep, but double knees to the gut. Right. That yeah. looks painful. Yeah, I really like. It. I, I, I'm really liking Cesaro and Kid. You know, they're they're still the best tag team. I think. <laughs> and right Kid's now injured going. now. Yeah, so there there goes Cesaro. <laughs> yeah. He 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 had that brass God, ring man. for a minute there, but I feel so bad for Cesaro. I feel bad for I feel bad for Kid too, man. That 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 was. Their their thing, man, and that's they, gonna, they were the they were a new heart foundation. Yes, I, yes, it was. A, you could see the second coming of Brett and Nightheart. Mm-hmm. You know, and that they did great in that match. But uh, you know, to to hear that kid is now injured. You know, uh, from the match with Samoa Joe at the uh, house shows. I mean, that just uh, you know, it's it uh, injuries suck, man. It it sucks. You know, injuries but, suck. Uh, what's our next one? 
Neville, I want to talk about Neville and Bo Dallas. You know, this is kind of a feud that went back into the NXT days. Right. And these guys have a good chemistry together. I thought it was a good match. You know, it was a quick mid-card match. And, you know, I know you're not to expect to. Adrian Neville has done everything great, I think, since he's been on their main roster. Yeah. I, I think he can do no wrong at this point. <laughs> well, don't say that. <laughs> don't, don't say that. One one bad promo, like the Ascension talking shit about Legion of Doom, yeah. and, and, and and he's done. Hopefully somebody learned their lesson on that one. Uh, I, I they hope don't really that. have him cutting a lot of promos. No, I no, mean, they no, just, no, no. They bring no. him out, they know they what he's those, good at, and They do those quick second screen promos with him, which right. I think is smart. And I, I, I just love the guy. Very yeah. high energy matches. I like Bo Dallas. Bo Dallas is a heel. It's great. He's he's that whiny heel and the annoying one that you hate just because you don't like hearing him talk. The, exactly. Yeah. It's it, it's kind of yeah. like Jimmy Hart. You know, he talked in uh, Memphis Heat, the true story of Memphis wrestling. Jimmy Hart says, "I'm going to be that guy that you hate because he annoys you. I'm going to stand in the background holding this title, saying we won, we won, yeah. we won. I mean, yeah. it's right. it, it's almost like Bo Dallas looked up old Jimmy Hart stuff. It's like." That's a character. Annoy people. That'll get you heat. I got you. I got you a story about that right quick. Uh, I was uh, I was in Ripley, Tennessee, playing a heel one time, and uh, had a had a fan try to get in the ring with me, and he got escorted <laughs> out of the building by security. Bill Dundee was in attendance, and he goes out and he talks to the fan, you know, and says, "Hey, man, why are you trying to get in the ring? You know better, you know." Why are you trying to Why are you trying to mess up? You know, you you know you're going to get thrown out if you get in the ring with the guy, or he's going to hurt you one. And and the fan was like, "Oh, he's just got me so mad." You know, I'm going to you know show him what for and everything. And Bill looks him straight in the face and goes, "Well, then he did it. He did his job then." <laughs> <laughs> you know, and then he let the fan back in the into the arena. He said, "Let the fan back in the arena." You know, it's it's cool. You know, he understands now. You know, it's just like. Stay in your seat, dude. Don't get in yeah. the ring. Well, that, hey, congratulations. Good job. Yeah. You were a heel. Oh, yeah. I, mean, I was a heel. I did my it's, job. I, I angered really, somebody enough for them to want to jump in the ring with me. I really wish <laughs> WWE would go back to having more true heels like that take signs from the fans and will rip them up and oh yeah, and do stuff like that. But it's, everything's for the camera these days. Yeah, yeah and, you can't do that. It's still yeah. kind of PG. So well, you, I think Daniel Bryan, I saw a story. Daniel Bryan um, did that to some kid and the grandmother got really upset mm-hmm. and a guy in the audience had to tell him tell her like that's part of the wrestling show he did that so that when he gets his butt kicked you're you're chanting mm-hmm. even louder for the good guy right and, yeah and she's like well i just don't think you should have taken my grandson's sign mm-hmm. yeah some people get it some people just don't understand it you know yeah those 1980s crowds, the Mid South Coliseum, oh sure didn't get it. Oh my god, dude! I, I, I just—it makes me sick sometimes to think that I could have been working in front of a crowd like that. You know, uh, I really do. I wish, uh, I wish Mid South was going strong as it was back then. But you know, those were the days. Yeah. Well, though, I think with the work they're doing up in NWA Mid South, I think. Yeah. Hopefully that's a chance to go for a boy Greg and Anthony in a little while about that. Yeah, and stick around because that's going to be a great interview. Oh yeah, uh, Cena and Owens. This is this this match. This stole the show. It was the best match on the card. I I have some problems with some of the ramifications of that match, but otherwise, man, I was amazed. It was good. It was good wrestling, and I will give credit where credit is due as far as Cena goes. Because you don't see Cena take too many chances 
taking moves. Right. You know, right. as in as in receiving moves. Exactly. So like he's that. very particular about what moves he receives and stuff like that. If there's a dangerous move that, you know, it looks like it's going to put him out, you know, if he lands wrong or whatever. Because there was some moves, like there was that one suplex off the top uh, that rope. I was that just about to bring that up. Yeah. Owens. Where Owens re- reversed it. That, ne- that was took, the damnedest thing because I'd never seen that before. When he, when he did that to Cena, I was like, damn, John's going to put this guy over. Mm-hmm. You know? Because, I mean, it was like Owens was pulling out all the stops to beat Cena. And, you know, when he pinned, when he pinned John at the end, you know, that was to get Kevin Owens over. And, you know. Mission Good accomplished. Mission accomplished. Yeah. Cena did and it. You know. I, did, I had no idea that Owens was so athletic. The moonsault, that was that was beautiful looking moonsault. Yeah. A swanton. Now, are we going to talk about Owens now or are we going to save it for later? Because you know I was going to send you that paragraph the other day. Up, <laughs> yeah. wanna, let's finish up going over Elimination Chamber. Okay. Because I've got some thoughts on Kevin Owens. Okay. And you have some thoughts on Kevin Owens. Yeah, we, we, and, I hope we don't yeah. get end up getting in a fist fight because you're going to win. Yeah, maybe we'll, <laughs> we'll ask about... Uh, We'll, we'll ask Golden Boy later, too. <laughs> <laughs> but, man, it, it, this match was everything that it was built up to be. Um, I like uh, Kevin Owens, like, in t- his first two nights, or first three nights in the main roster, he's had some badass shirts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love the Fight Owens fight one, and I'm glad he, he's gone to Fight Owens fight instead of Kill Owens Kill yeah. or Kill Steen mm-hmm. Kill. They changed that. For yeah, that's that, that's... That was a smart move. One of the things I, I kept noticing, every time Cena took the pop-up powerbomb, I don't know if anybody else noticed the elbows. it. Yeah, he, he landed elbows God, first. I thought he was going to dislocate both of his shoulders. Yeah, every time, I was like, I even had Amanda look over. I was like, watch, that's not good. No, nope. <laughs> that hurts. Yeah. That hurts. It, it made me nervous every time I saw yeah. it, too. And then he did that one crazy cradle powerbomb. Do you remember that one where he tucked and got his hands underneath? Yeah. The, the, that was a yeah. crazy-ass powerbomb, too. I'd never seen one done like that. But Cena, to his credit, man, he's been putting over the younger that guys was, lately. He's yeah. making them look good. Right. He made Sami Zayn look good, even though, and Zayn even had a bum shoulder. Yeah, he made uh, Neville look good in their match, which Neville's looked good, and I think in every match he's been in since he's been on the main roster. But I think Cena's realizing like it's time to start getting younger guys ready because yeah. I'm not going to be in this business right. forever. And kudos to him. Also, well, well, kudos to him for something he did on Monday night. When he pointed out the kid, and I've watched it a yeah. couple times, oh, yeah. and I, I get teary, I'm getting teary eyed watching it. But you know, his personal message to that kid telling you, "You keep fighting. That's from me. No one told me to write. No yeah. one wrote this for me." Yeah, yeah. I'm not a big Cena guy, but I was really impressed. I choked up. I think the kid's mom was there with him. She was choking. <laughs> yeah, up. I, I saw that too. If you didn't get teared up in that, I don't think you have a soul. It was good. It was good. You know, and he he uh, he does a lot with the Make a Wish people, yep. and you know, and he he stands up there. He he knows his role, and his role is to and be the hero, the Hulk Hogan hero that we right, had. Right. right. He's this generation's Hulk well, Hogan. And you so. know, there are people out there that think he brought he brought that kid. He brought that kid into that promo, no, just to get him over with Owens maybe more, and that's I think that is the furthest thing from the truth. Yeah. Right, that's that's just him being a good human being. Yeah. It was and apparently after Raw, he actually uh, brought the kid in the ring, ring, and yeah, got, he got to hold the U.S. Championship, yeah. and Cena held up his sign for him. And you know something else he did, Cena got in the same into the ring the same way as the kid did, just to make him feel more comfortable. He didn't jump over the rope or anything kid went underneath the rope bottom, or underneath the second rope and so did cena just to keep, help keep him comfortable right. and mm-hmm. just just a great story let's get back to the elimination chamber we got one more match that was the world heavyweight championship 
Dean Ambrose versus Seth Rollins, and man, this was a good match. That was a good match. It started yes. off slow. It started off real slow. Like and the first half doing, of it, I was and I was even more, I was more excited about that than as the match went on because I, I I was like, man, look, a, a tie up into a headlock, into a hammer right. lock, into <clears throat> into an arm bar, reverse. Seth Rollins trying to grab the foot from beneath his legs and. It, it's good to see that these guys can still do that because most of the time, and we talked, we'll talk about this with Greg later. But it seems like a lot of matches are going for the "this is awesome" chant rather than putting on a great match. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And it, we, it started out a lot different than you would expect. Exactly. I mean, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. thought, you know, with the way Ambrose has been towards Seth Rollins, you thought he was just going to come in fist flying. It was just going to be a brawl for the first 10 minutes. Right. Right. And you know, it, it shows that Dean Ambrose has a lot of control over his character, but when he flips that switch in a match, man, it gets, yeah. it, it's, it's on. Mm-hmm. And I got pumped. I'm not gonna lie. I got pumped when the other ref came in and count one, two, three. And then I realized like, shit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're not going to give him the title. I mean, but that would have been humongous. That crowd, that facial expression that, that Rollins had. Rollins oh my god! <laughs> did, oh man, they photoshopped that. On, <laughs> I think they photoshopped oh, yeah. that. On did you about see nine it? Nine million things. Did you now. see they did like? Remember the um, Edge sex celebration after on Raw? Yeah, they photoshopped his head on Lita. <laughs> <laughs> that's probably that's probably my favorite. They've done it on both the Home Alone posters. Yes. Yeah. Um, but man, I, I I get the dusty finish because I think they want to have him versus Lesnar in the next yeah. couple months for SummerSlam. Yeah. But, man, the, I, the, I think the crowd kind of knew when that new ref came in. It's like, Dean's not going to get this. No. Mm-hmm. And it, it, the, another dusty finish. Yeah. But a resilient heel. We hate him, right? They they find a way to yep. and stay that, in our heads. They're they're doing it. They're building up uh, Rollins' uh, reign as world heavyweight champion. They're building it up, and, you know, that way it means more when it's ended. Right. So that's exactly what they need to do. So That's Elimination Chamber. Let's talk a little bit about Raw the next night. Uh, as we talked about earlier, Divas, you know, they Bellas did their twin magic thing, which absolutely makes no sense in my mind. I don't want to get into it again and again, but it's stu- it was a stupid finish. And uh, I saw a promo that Paige cut for SmackDown this week. It's a damn good promo. Mm-hmm. Probably, it's up there with AJ. That some of the promos she cut and everything. But uh, highlight of this show, I think, was the Owens Cena confrontation. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> I'm going to get so scrutinized for this. <laughs> and I think one of the guys that's going to scrutinize me a lot for it is sitting right next to me. Probably. But um, <clears throat> something about Kevin Owens, and I, you know, I'm a devout fan of Memphis wrestling and anything that's been done when this was a territory and then, but something about Kevin Owens reminds me of Eddie Gilbert. Uh. (laughs) (laughs) Eddie Gilbert was, Eddie Gilbert is one of the greatest heels to me that I've ever seen work. And there's certain things that heels do. Like when they're ready to fight, the heels going to back away from the fight because that's what the fans want to see. And you're going to get more heat on you if you don't get into that fight. And and then maybe if you jump them later or something like that. Right. But there's just I, I like I like Kevin Owens' promos. I think he's rearing back, folks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's, not, he's not interested. In. Um, but he now has a kendo stick. Yeah, <laughs> he's got that hot plate from a <laughs> from a Domino's bag. Found a ring bell under the table. Where did this <laughs> ring bell come from? But man, I, I I'm really stoked 
with what they're doing with Kevin Owens. Um, and it, it, he just he reminds me of Eddie Gilbert. I, I don't know what it is, but there's something about him that just does. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Rebuttal? <laughs> uh, um, yeah. Uh, Owens has yet to impress me with any of his WWE promos. Now, I will give credit where credit is due. His moves and stuff like that, he's pulling moves out that nobody's seen out of him, you know, since he's been, since he debuted at NXT and moved to the main roster and everything like that. Mm -hmm. Um, To me, and, you know, the, the fact that Owens has been wrestling for so long and that he's just very well seasoned and... WWE may be looking for that fresh look, that fresh fresh face to take him in a new direction or whatever. But he his his promos don't impress me. His wrestling impresses me. His wrestling impresses me. His moves impress me and everything like that. But I'm sorry, I'm on the bandwagon where he doesn't look like a wrestler. Well, He's he doesn't in, he doesn't have the typical build like John Cena yeah, or, or But listen uh, this is what they've been telling people for the last God knows how long. Mm-hmm. You don't look like a wrestler. You're fat. You're out of shape. You don't have muscles. For the last 20 years, and now with a flip of a switch and the sign of a contract, oh, wait, this guy can work. Well, yeah. all right. You know, and this is, this is my take on it. And it's a, it's a slap in the face to every single person who has put on a good match in front of them in a tryout, but they turn around and say, I'm sorry, you don't look like a wrestler. All right, now, I think part of that is you have two different people in the WWE. You have Vince McMahon, and mm-hmm. what does Vince McMahon want? He wants the Hulk Hogan's. He wants the John Cena's. He wants the Ultimate Warriors. He wants right. Triple H, if you look at NXT, he wants guys that can work, mm-hmm. guys that are that are sound on the mic. Guys who put, can put on solid matches. And Kevin Owens, I think, is that guy. And it, it, it's the perfect foil for what Kevin, I mean, for what Triple H wants. Mm-hmm. And it, if, if he's he, kind of like, you know, size wise and style wise, it's like Bray Wyatt. Kind of. You know, Bray Wyatt, I think uh, Vader. Yeah. With his athleticism, Vader is a good comparison because mm-hmm. Vader was never a body guy. Mm-hmm. Vader, now Vader was athletic, was a lot more athletic than some of the guys that are in the WWE now. Well, you gotta you gotta look at what part of what part of the company or what part of the timeline that Vader existed in the company in WWE in WCW he was a massive monster oh he was oh, he was yeah. an he, unstoppable force he was probably he one of the greatest monsters destroy monster anybody heels. in front yeah. of him yeah. yeah yeah and then they bring him to WWE and he's the man. They call Vader. You know, he's not Vader time or Big Van Vader. He's like, he's the man they call Vader, you know. And right. And he's, you know. And then he gets hit in the socket with a socket wrench by Kane. He's wrestling yeah. gold dust. <laughs> 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 you know, I think, and, you know, that's just that timeline, you know. I think, you know, given the, given the, given the fact that he was a monster heel and everything and in uh, WCW and everything, it didn't transition to WWE very well. You know, and then, but you know, that's you know, I d- I just think it's Kevin different. Owens, it's different when 
It's different when the background of these guys is like they went to New Japan, then he got signed by WCW. He was world heavyweight champion in WCW, big huge monster heel. Kevin Steen, independent wrestler for 16 years. That's it. No WCW. Well, right. it wasn't around. No ECW or it anything wasn't like around. that. It wasn't around. Ring of Honor, yeah. Ring of Honor? Yeah. Um, I think, was he in IGP or IGP? PWG, I think. Pro Wrestling Gorilla. I think he was in PWG. I mean, he's been you know, around. He's, he's, he's been around he's the been in, He's been to Japan. He's been to Japan. Okay. I think. And, you know, I've really got to do my research on him more. I really do. <laughs> but I think he's been around the world main eventing. I'm sure he has. Yeah. With Sami Zayn, El Generico, whatever you want to call him. Right. And there's another comparison right there. Sami Zayn, he has been in NXT for how long? Two, three years? Right. And he just now gets a main event spot, you know, gets a main roster spot. And then you have Kevin Owens who comes in, and in a month he's on the main roster. Yeah. And, like, he's signed an actual main roster contract now. you know, and to me, that's just a slap in the face to their entire developmental system. And, you know, I was reading an article the other day that I think WWE is planning on having, like, three touring brands by the end of 2016 or 2017, right. something right. like that. You know, and they're going to take NXT on the road, which they already have. And I think they're selling out places with oh, yeah. NXT. Oh, dude, they're doing good. Oh, yeah. NXT yeah. is doing great. And, uh, you know, they're going to have three touring brands. So was, is, I've seen commercials for Tap Out. Is that possibly going to be the third brand, maybe? Or, uh, well, you know, tap out, I don't know what the I, tap just, out thing is. Tap out is um apparel company. Okay. And like a lot yeah. of USC guys. But I, I think what they mean, I, I would assume they meant, you know, Raw, SmackDown, and NXT mm-hmm. would be the three touring brands. Okay. Well, maybe they'll go back to separating SmackDown into its own brand right. again or something. But I kind of hope not. Yeah. Because then you have to have another title. You've got to bring back another Yeah, I don't like that. Um, we'll go back to super shows where all three brands are in the same building at the same time and stuff, and you'll have four hours worth of tapings. <laughs> I can only imagine. So, but, but you know, I mean, it's just, you know. All right, we're going back to what you said about basically about them fast tracking uh, Owens. Yeah. They're, I've read that they're pretty much planning to do the same thing with Samoa Joe. Mm-hmm. Well, that's because they sold 10,000 t-shirts to Samoa <laughs> Joe after one appearance on NXT. <laughs> that's right. right. They sold 10,000 shirts. Yeah. Of course they're going uh, to... Wait a minute. This guy's worth money? Vince is like, who's this Samoa Joe guy? He's well, worth... They're, s- they're selling shirts? Let me get my phone. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> who's this Samoa, Samoa Joe I'll, guy? And hey, th- and uh, I'll probably get, you know... Nailed to the wall on this, but I am a Samoa Joe fan. I watched okay. his work in TNA, and I was a huge fan of Samoa you're Joe. Not, you're not, well, apparently you're one of 9,999 people. <laughs> hey, there we go. <laughs> I'm not the only one. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I know Mick Foley was trying to get Samoa Joe in WWE for years. years. Ago. Yeah, 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 years ago. But um, going back to Owens, though, man, I think Owens is Triple H sees money in the guy, mm-hmm. and. I bet you Triple H had to go with Vince with everything he had to say, Vince, put Owens over against Cena. This guy can handle it. It it, re- it, it doesn't reek of Triple H, but it has it, to me. It's right. it, it's tri- Triple H. This is Triple H's golden boy. He's going to make or break what he does in the WWE after Vince gives up the reins on Kevin Owens. I think mm-hmm. uh, this is his guy. He's he's making up for Sin Cara. <laughs> you know, since since Sin Cara's been with Kalisto, 
I think yeah, but it's, I, this is a different guy. No, than that's the original true. That's Sin true. Cara. That's true. That's yeah. true. And uh, this is I, Sin Cara 2.0. Yeah. <laughs> but Sin Cara Azura or whatever. I really, I really like him and Kalisto. Man, <laughs> Kalisto is a little wiry, wiry little dude. Yeah. Right, he's he, they got a good tag <clears> team going. Yeah, yeah. But man, I I'm really excited with some of the future that we have. Yeah. I don't know how much you can call Kevin Owens a future because he's already been wrestling for 15 years. Yeah. But it's very exciting when you add in him and Sami Zayn and Adrian Neville, and then you got guys in NXT. Like, I'm really excited for um, Enzo Amore and Big Cass to get called up because they'll help out the tag team division up there so much. Right. Yeah. They're an exciting tag team. And you got uh, Baron Corbin, who I think is going to be like another big Kevin Nash whenever he gets called up. Mm-hmm. And I'm I, the future is great for the WWE, if you ask me. Mm-hmm. Have you guys watched the E60 yet? I know Still I ask you every week. It, yeah. it is on YouTube. I found it, it on is. YouTube. Okay. It's on complete. I'll, I'll it's, watch it. It's E60, you know. you know. This goes out to Joseph Butler. I will watch it. Stop pounding <laughs> me about they it. They do have the bonus features for uh, Tyler Breeze and uh, Colin Cassidy, I think, is Big the other Cass. one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's yeah. a, he's a big dude, man. He it, they've got an extra like fifteen minute segment of each one of those because cool. uh, it cool. was it was it wasn't on the it didn't make the final cut, but they put it on their website and then somebody put it to YouTube. So, but you guys got to watch those. Yeah, well, you I'm, really do have to watch those as an eye. Well, opener. and you know, I've uh, like I said, I have read about it, and I think they're missing the boat with Adam Rose and and the E60 because he's made some appearances lately on NXT. Yeah, on NXT, but right. Yeah. You know, you're missing you have a chance. He was on a mainstream channel. Yeah. with ESPN and you could have brought in a big mainstream audience, more of a mainstream audience, you know. You're, hey, this guy I saw on ESPN, he's starting to do some, do some damage and There does come a point when you're trying to play off of sympathy more than you're trying to play off of oh, the yeah. Edge, right? yeah. And yeah. sympathy only gets you so far. Well, that's true. So, I, I think Adam Rose could do it. I mean, I, know, I well, yeah. Well, uh, Yours, well, Rosebud. You should watch. love him. <laughs> I did love him. <laughs> I told him myself <laughs> in my penguin outfit. <laughs> this, no, uh, <laughs> I was thinking, yeah. like penguin loves you. <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> No, uh, watch the E60 thing, and you'll really you'll be surprised at his background and where he came from. You'd really be surprised, at, and it made me even like him more. And the fact that I was happy that I got to tell him I like his character and everything because it you know it was it's an eye opener. The E60 right. thing really should, is, and you should watch it. If if he would have spent just a couple more months in NXT with that character. Because it seemed like he was on NXT for two or three weeks, and then it's like, oh, the party bus is coming to Raw. Like, what? Watch the E60. Then. Yeah, okay. <laughs> and you'll understand it. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. I got you. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. <laughs> One thing I want to bring up real quick. Uh, we, I know we've talked about it before, uh, but mainly going back to the, the Cena and Owens match. And I know if y'all have listened to the Stone Cold or saw the Stone Cold podcast with Paul Hammond, uh, the whole thing about people just – Kicking out of finishers. Oh, it's it's not even just finishers, big moves. Right. And I'm just, I'm in agreement with him. It's something I've thought about, I think we've talked about before, but at one point, does kicking out of the finisher end up hurting the finisher? I mean, it's almost like you have to scrap it, that it, one and it, start with something it di- else. It, di- it does. I think it does dilute it. I mean, the only person I think that could kick out of finishers constantly 
was the Undertaker. That's the only guy that it would have been acceptable for. Right. When I when I was wrestling, my finisher was a sky high spine buster. It was a sky high spine buster combination. I would get up like D low underneath the guy's armpits and shoot him straight up in the air. And as he got up in the air, I would grab his legs and jerk him back down to the mat. And that was my spine buster. I'd go down with him, almost kind of like rock style, you know. Right. But except for the guy was elevated a couple of feet up more than higher than and then uh, Rocky would get him. Right. Now, I'll give you an example here. Um, where I'm in New Bern, Tennessee, and this guy that's been wrestling for God. He was ancient, so it had to be 30 years or so. (laughs) (laughs) You know, he'd been wrestling forever, and he didn't feel like putting me over with one spine buster. So he's like, yeah, give me two or three spine busters, you know. And then I give him the second spine buster. The referee counts to three, and the guy kicks out like, you know, he was going to kick out at three, but, you know, it was like that thing, you know. So I'm like, really? You're going to put me over that way? And it was in front of like 10 or 20 people. So it mattered. Right. It did not matter (laughs) one damn bit. It did not matter. You know, it didn't matter how I went over that night as long as I went over. It didn't matter. Well, and it goes goes back to a lot of it. It it seems like wrestling these days is to get this is awesome champ. Yeah. Right. It's not putting on sound, technical, good matches. It's... High spot, high spot, high spot, high spot, high spot, high spot. It's like we said with Dean Rollins or Dean Ambrose and Seth Rollins. They escalated. The, it it, 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 went, got it took to that time. Point. It built. I yeah. mean, and and Jim Ross talks about all this um, on his podcast. He would ban the closed fist from because, I mean, UFC guys. How many times do they get punched in the face before they're like either out cold right. or on the ground? You exactly. Know? Yeah. And I would be. I would love for them to start outlawing closed fists as well. I got to see if I can get a uh, – we used to have a pay-per-view. We had an iPay-per-view. We, we did four years of TV over in West Memphis for NEW. And uh, every every year we did a tap-outs and knockouts pay-per-view. And uh, we put on fight gloves and we went at it. You know, <laughs> it was pretty much it, you know. And, you know, it was scripted like a wrestling match. Right. But everything in between is like you fight like you mean it. You know, and we were really hitting each other in the face. Yeah. Those damn MMA gloves hurt like son of a bitch. <laughs> well, yeah, they're not that much padding. No. It's just, it's just I kept of- thinking, like, man, those are the paddings of the Undertaker, when he punches somebody, he can hit them as hard as he can. It's padded and everything. It's awesome and everything. And then I took one hit to the head, and I'm like, damn. Uh, <laughs> in one of my matches, um, it was Sexy Sam Dollar. It was me and my dad versus Sexy Sam Dollar and Austin Lane. And Sam Dollar is wearing these cowboy boots, like the real deal. You don't even have to tell me about what happened there. (laughs) Well, I remember laying on the ground and looking up at him, and I just see this foot coming at me, and it hits me in the head. And I'm like, shit, Mm I want to roll over because hopefully the guy's not mean enough to kick me in the back of the head. He kicked me in the back of the head full force, (laughs) and I... You always want to look at what's coming. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I thought I felt my eyeballs come out right out of my head, but... But, man, those stiff shots, yeah. It, but going back to, yeah, these big moves, there's so many moves that were done back in the 70s, back in the 80s, mm-hmm. that were, when you saw it, you're like, oh! Yeah. Yeah. And now and now people are kicking out of DDTs. <laughs> Excluding yep. the leg drop. They're kicking out. <laughs> people, some people are taking out of some, some people are taking some hellacious DDTs lately. Oh, yeah. I yeah. mean, just yeah. like s- stand straight up like you got spiked into the mat. I mean, DDTs. I think, like, you know, back in the 80s, the 
the draping DDT that Randy Orton does now, mm-hmm. that could easily be a finishing move. Back oh, yeah, 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 definitely. But what really gets me is, you know, how long was it that Stone Cold was using the stunner before somebody ever kicked out? I think it was The Rock that finally kicked out at WrestleMania one year. Yeah, which is the perfect moment for it. Uh, right, because, I mean, it's a and huge Then there were six or up. seven more stunners and rock bottoms after that. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> before but, I mean, the match was over. But, I mean, now, <laughs> when was the last, when was the last, you know, quote unquote pay per view match that you saw where somebody didn't kick out of a finisher at least once. I mean, it's it does, on it, Raw. They usually don't kick out unless it's for a title or yeah. you know a, a bigger draw match. But nowadays, every big match, there's two or three kickouts of the finishers, and there, they shouldn't be called be finishers a of, anymore. A lot of false finishes. I mean, I hate. And it, people are going to think it's me just hating John Cena for no reason again. That springboard stunner, I hate that move. Because yeah. as, the first time it was done, someone kicked out of it. Okay, right. the move is not worth shit. And that's what Stone Cold said. It, yeah. It's so stupid. And I heard Cole actually like put that move over. Oh, he's had some success with that pop-up stunner. No, he hadn't pinned uh, one uh, person. <laughs> no, no. no. What the hell are you talking about? I, this past Sunday at Elimination Chamber when he did that, I was like, oh, shit. Yeah. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. Oh, Kevin was kicked out. Oh, thank God. Yeah. But, yeah, they've gotten it's gotten crazy. And selling. Selling is nowhere near where it used to be. Like, mm-hmm. John Cena the next night coming out, showing his talent, and then sprinting to the ring. Dude, you were in just in the battle of your life, yeah. brother. And Less you're than s- 24 hours ago. You're, and you're sprinting? And they don't they don't put over nothing anymore, you know? Yeah. Back I mean, in the day... They, was, anybody, was anybody limping as a result of the elimination chamber no, at all last it doesn't, night? No, it doesn't mm-hmm. seem like it to me. They weren't? Which, okay. You, Kalees, see, like, like if it Kalees, used to be when you got in the elimination chamber, you had to come out all taped like up bandaged, and bandaged and, yeah. well, like a damn mummy. That, Hell in a Cell, yeah. the same thing. Yeah. Uh, anything... Uh, World War Three the next night. Be, uh, oh, uh, the elimination chamber takes years off your life, and then you come out the next night, <laughs> and it's do, like, do, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it, it's selling to me is just it's a lost art form. Yeah, no one, no one really sells. And, and is it? I don't know if it's just because it's TV, it's sports entertainment. But man, <laughs> now the refs sell like hell. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, if I bump into a ref, he's out for thirty minutes. He's yeah. done. He's yeah. done for the night. <laughs> Mike Kyoto, like, if you I can't imagine like doing housework around those guys and they get hit in the head with like a pan or something. Yeah. And they're, like, they're out for thirty minutes. And like, oh, uh, they get uh, swept up by the broom. Damn, oh. Rudy Charles is out, man. What the hell? <laughs> hey, little Rudy Charles. Rudy Charles, by the way, uh, he is. I've worked with Rudy before. He's an awesome guy, and he deserves all the credit in the world for getting back on the main roster recently. Um, I, f- I forget his dadgum name. As a referee right now, he's not Rudy Charles as a referee, but he was Rudy Charles when he was here, you know, locally and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, he 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 had a WWE stint, and then I'm not sure what happened if he got released or whatever. But now he's back on their main roster, and he's he's all over the place. I see him as a mainstay there, and he's. I just want to send out congratulations for him getting getting signed back up with oh, yeah. WWE and getting a job well, with them. And and if someone bumps into him, does he fall down for 30 minutes? I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> he might fall it, down for an hour. It, it doesn't just, matter. You know, Dolph Ziggler, I think he sells well in a match. Mm-hmm. But it's like you said, you know, he was just in an elimination chamber in the next match. He's coming out and he's just moving all loosey-goosey. And I, and saw, I saw scratches and scrapes on Ziggler's back 
by the end of the Elimination Chamber match. Yeah. I saw like you know those Im- those imprints you always see from people falling on the outside of the right, area, right, the right. grating and stuff. Shamus. I saw impressions on the on his back and stuff like that. Sell that. Yeah, yeah. Go out there and act like, like you know. Oh, and you know it would help your heel a lot more. Do a couple of back rakes. Exactly. You know? Oh my god. Oh, yeah. That that it sell. Sell, 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 sell. Work the fact that the person was just in the elimination chamber for crying out loud. Put your last pay-per-view over. Yeah. You know, because people can actually go back and look at it now. It's on the network. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And they can see how brutal of a match it was. You know, these career-changing matches. But, yeah. (laughs) They don't want to do that. I don't know. They're just in it for the, and you know, pay-per-view every two weeks now. You yeah, know, it's we, Sunday we, Night Raw. We, God, it just you know, I, they, I really you're, think you're it's start just wearing guys out. Man. Just this kind, of, this time, I think it just kind of worked out this way. Like they just all of a sudden wanted elimination. Well, no, the chamber. word word around is every other week, every two weeks, they want to do a special. That's insane. That's that's a rumor I've I've read. They're gonna kill these guys. Oh, I know. I know. Now, I know there's a special coming up on. Uh, I don't know if it's being taped on July 4th or it's actually airing yeah, that's July 4th. Yeah, the super card of in, in, like, uh, it's Japan. It's in Japan, yeah. Yeah, Jericho versus Neville. Neville and those, yeah. Oh, man, that's going to be a freaking hellacious I'll match. I'll watch it just for that match. Yeah, me too. Me too. I'm, uh, I want to watch it for Brock Lesnar versus Kofi. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, let's, I want to talk about this real quick. You, you guys watched Austin. Yeah, yeah. How quick did he flip the switch into Stone Cold into, Steve oh, Austin? Yeah. Did you watch it? I haven't watched it yet. Oh, at the end of the but interview, I heard what happened. Yeah, at the end of the interview, they started talking about Lesnar and Austin, and instantly Stone Cold flipped that switch. I'm gonna whoop his ass. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, he he actually said at one point, he's like, "I'm starting to get a little worked up here, Paul." And then, like, you know, Paul Heyman played it off. He was like, "Hey, I, I can leave." Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm, <laughs> yeah. And, and the, but that look, that look in his eyes, as yeah. soon as that started, you saw Austin three sixteen again. Sweet, because you know, me and Amanda were watching it, and <laughs> she sat there and she looks over, she's like. Is he really mad? Like, you know, why did he get so pissed off? I was like, they're working. This this is what they're doing. Yeah. yeah. yeah it's like, if you believed he was really pissed yeah, off, then he the did exactly what he Those are to. Memphis alumni. That is awesome. I got to watch that. Yeah, do it. It's on the WWE Network. Yeah. Um, we're going to wrap up this because we got an interview with NWA Mid-South, Greg Anthony. It's going to be an exciting interview, guys. Hell yeah. Stick around. We will be right back. <laughs> Welcome back to the Oversell Podcast. We are joined by Golden Boy Greg Anthony of NWA Mid South. Greg, how's it going, man? Uh, rocking and rolling as usual. Rocking and rolling, making them uh, making them boys sweat over there at NWA Mid South in them training sessions. <laughs> they really don't have a choice in my building. There you go. <laughs> yeah, no. But, uh, We've got uh, we've got the actual fans in the building, and we've got the uh, you know the mechanical ones too, right? Exactly. That's right. Exactly. That's about all the air conditioning you're going to get. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's the epitome of wrestling training: hot in the summer, cold in the winter. Exactly. Hey, uh, that's what everyone needs to go through, I think. That's uh, wouldn't have it any other way, man. <laughs> well, uh, I understand we got a big show coming up uh, June twentieth. Is that right? That's the St. Jude Slamathon. So it's uh, not only is a it's a star-studded event, but it's you know obviously it's uh, for a good cause. So we hope everyone can come out and and check out uh check out professional wrestling the way it was meant to be seen. 
Yep, I can uh, I can definitely attest to that because I've been announcing over there for uh, last few months and everything. I haven't been able to be over there lately, and that's just my personal reasons for uh, that happening. But uh, I definitely miss coming there every Saturday, and uh, man, I just I miss the air of the locker room and the air of uh, all of the stuff that's uh, been happening there lately. And we had JJ Dillon there a month ago, and I mean just. The the whole uh, Empire Strikes Back event was, uh, I, I'd like to say it was a huge success, wouldn't you? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, well, the good thing about about what we're doing is we're doing something in this area that I think is long overdue. You know, um, I've been a part of, of so many federations that were very successful. They were very successful, but they were successful for a short period of time. And what we're trying to do is we're trying to be successful for the long haul. And uh, we're storytelling. We're, we're, we're doing things the way they should be done. And we're bringing in guys that can, that can help us in the long run. And J.J. Dillon, obviously, is a guy that um, had, had a huge insight to our show. I mean, he said that he said that it was the best independent show that he had been to. That's awesome. And that's that's yeah. a huge, huge compliment. That's, yeah, yeah, that's got to mean a lot coming from someone like JJ Dillon. That's amazing. Now flew um, down from Delaware to be here, man. Delaware, Delaware. I don't even think I've met anyone from Delaware. I've never have either. I, I can, <laughs> I can, I can, mar- I can mark that one off my list. I can't <laughs> point Delaware on a map. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, <laughs> now for um, this St. Jude Slamathon, did I see Jim Cornette is going to be out coming out coming out for this show? Yes, Jim Cornette. See, the, the thing we're doing with these, um, we like to call them the, these super card shows, is we're actually filming them, professionally filming them, obviously, and uh, we're, we're going to be uh, selling DVDs of them. So The Empire Strikes Back will be available on DVD, and um, the St. Jude Slamathon will be available on DVD, and Jim Cornette and Christopher Cruz from WCW awesome. are actually going to be providing the uh, commentary. That's going to be awesome. I'll I'd pay just to listen to the commentary. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, Greg, how did you get first get involved with uh, NWA Mid South? I yeah, think the I think the better really question is how how did he create NWA Mid South? Oh, okay, because okay. he's he's like the main instigator for the whole thing coming together. I believe, aren't? Am I right, Greg? Well, it's actually it's it's one of those. Uh, it sounds like a simple question, but it's not really not a simple answer. But <laughs> actually, NWA Mid South was actually Alvin Minnick's NWA in the late 90s, early 2000s. Oh, okay. And that was actually, Alvin gave me one of my first breaks in this business and uh, allowed me to actually get my first opportunity to start working on a regular basis. So his NWA Mid-South is actually um, where it starts. If you if you go look on our website and look at our title history, we actually acknowledge his title history. So our title history goes all, all the way back to like 98. Oh, wow. somewhere there. Nice. Now, Greg, uh, I know you've probably told me this before, but just for our listeners out there, how many years have you been in the wrestling business? I've been in the business. It'll be uh, it'll be 15 years in January. I had my first match in 2000 when I was 18, um, but I really, like I said, I really didn't start working, working on a regular basis until January 2001. So that's really when I say my debut was. So Awesome. You know, 15 years-ish. Who do you remember who that first match was against by any chance? <laughs> the trendsetter John Michael. John Michael. <laughs> nice. Yeah, uh, imagine that. Yeah, we yeah. Were actually, we were actually two hometown boys from Newburn, Tennessee, and we were trying to 
we were trying very, very hard to break into the business. And um, John Michael's dad is a, um, a police officer in Newburn. And at the time, Memphis Championship Wrestling was coming to Newburn, Tennessee once a month. They were a developmental territory for WWE. Mm-hmm. And um, they were drawing 30, 40 people. Wow. But John Michael's dad goes up to Terry Golden one day and says, hey, you know, my son and his friend are trying to break into the wrestling business. Is there any way you can help them out? Mm-hmm. And uh, Terry Golden being the, um, the uh, <laughs> I don't want to say genius that he is, but very <laughs> smart that he is, is that he realized that he had something he could use, and he booked us in what he called an intermission match, mm-hmm. kind of like a tryout kind of thing. And um, he put us on the last intermission, which was technically Sunny Main. Mm-hmm. And we drew over 200 people. Yeah. Because for 30 days before that show, we told anybody and everybody <laughs> that we were going to be wrestling. <laughs> and, you know, William Regal was there, and our truth was there, and Reckless Youth, and, you know, just just a host of hosts of guys. And um, But y'all were going door-to-door, we, knocking and telling everybody that you could tell that y'all were going to be wrestling. Yeah, man, we were, I mean, we told everyone, we went to high school with, we just told everybody. Yeah. Know, we just, we couldn't believe it, you know. And Terry still protected the business because he he um, he put us in our own locker room. We weren't with the rest of the boys, mm-hmm. so he put us in our own locker room. It was just me and John Michael in this one locker room. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the referee came over and talked to us for a second, and that was about it. Wow. The uh, the only guy that, the only guy that came over and actually said hi and actually said, "Hey, man, just want to tell you guys, I'm glad you guys are trying to get in the business, and uh, we appreciate everything." It was uh, it was actually reckless youth. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was a huge fan of his before, but I became such a even more of a fan after that because he was he was actually the only guy that gave a shit, you mm-hmm. know. Yeah, I mean that's it, it's it's always good, uh, you know. I I I, I was always astonished at uh, what guys would uh, you know always you know break that little line in the sand you know and come over to the to the new guys in the locker room and say hey I'm so and so you know I'm you know. I'm just, you know, I want to say hi, and, you know, I like your stuff, and, you know, good luck in the business and everything. I, I was always astonished for that side as to, you know, it was always the last person I thought it would be, you know. I mean, like, I would never would imagine in a million years I'd be best friends with downtown Bruno, I can tell you that. But, I mean, you know, just something like for, like, that to happen, like, my first year in the business, I mean, that that just, you know, me and, me and Bruno met, and we clicked and everything. And, I mean, you know, you and, you and Reckless Youth met, and you, you know, you became a huge fan, so you know we all have our moments, and you know that's just it's it's amazing to me sometimes like the stories we all have about you know who who crossed the line over you know and and said hi to the new guy you know and then you know I mean, so many years down the line you can talk about it you know. <laughs> even a step further than that, I mean, if, if I was going to sit here and tell you the five wrestlers that influenced me the most or the reasons that I'm in the business, mm-hmm. you know, beautiful Eden is in that top five. Mm-hmm. And then from to go on and be, you know, tag team with Beautiful Bobby and then to be one of his friends and, you know, have his number pop up on my cell phone is, you know, it still is one of those, you know, uh, I still get like a little kid sometimes when I think about it. Yeah. You, know, you remember the, T- the Memphis TCW show we did, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, the first tape I had, uh, Starcade 87, uh, was uh, – you know the Skywalker's match between Rock and Roll Express 
and uh, Midnight Express, you know, wow. with uh, Cornette managing and Big Bubba managing and all that stuff and everything down below. And, uh, <laughs> you know, that uh, I, I, I'm sitting in between Ricky Morton and beautiful Bobby Eaton just sitting there going, you know, wow, this is like, you know, this is full circle here because <laughs> this is this is the first tape I and this is the first tape I bought when I was like, you know, twelve or thirteen was that wrestling tape, you know, right. and you know here I am, you know, fifteen twenty years later, and they're you know sitting right in front of me exchanging stories, and I get to listen to them, and and you know Bobby Eaton and I are good friends too, and I'm like, wow, yep, that's full circle, man. <laughs> I tell you, one of my favorite things about tagging with Bobby was every town we'd go to, there would be the guys that would come up and say, hey, you know, what was the scaffold match like? And then Bobby, without missing a beat, would go, it sucks. It sucks, yeah. <laughs> this is like I, I always heard it. I always heard Bobby describe it as it scared the hell out of me. <laughs> what people don't realize is that, like you said, you had the Starcade People don't realize that he didn't just do one scaffold match. He did the scaffold match on the loop. Yeah, I mean, yeah. every town we went to, they were doing scaffold matches. And you know what? I'd probably get tired of damn scaffold matches, too, if I had to do them every night. Yep. <laughs> you know, and I actually got to see a scaffold match in person. I got to see Eric Embry and uh, Dirty White Boy at the Mid-South Coliseum. Oh. Like, wow. Yeah. And, uh, I, I, and, you know, talk about coming full circle on that. Um, I got to, Bruno got me in the locker room at a show over in Knoxville one time, and I got to come back and tell Tony Anthony, you know, I saw you 20 years ago in a scaffold match with Eric Embry. <laughs> and he was like, oh, my God, that was so long ago. I'm like, yeah, I know. <laughs> so, but, yeah, you know, it's, it, you know, it's, it's always cool to be able to tell your, uh, the guys you watched in the ring, you know, that was awesome, and, you know, you were an inspiration to me, so. You know, but uh, you said top five. Uh, you got four more. Oh, you want to hear the actual top five? Yeah, sure. Go <laughs> ahead, man. This is awesome. We're getting some good stuff here. <laughs> well, obviously Flair, because uh-huh. Flair was I, – I tell people that everyone – that my earliest memories of life, not just wrestling, of life, my first memories of life are professional wrestling, are sitting on my grandmother's knee watching wrestling, mm-hmm. and we would watch Crockett. You know, we would watch the NWA, and that's why the NWA means so much to me is because it has that long history with me, and, and Flair was the guy. You know, that that was the guy that my grandmother cussed, which she didn't cuss, but that she <laughs> swore up and down that he couldn't win unless the horseman helped him. Mm-hmm. You know I mean? Yep. It was only something like that. So, obviously Flair, um, Steamboat, mm-hmm. you know. Very um, good one. Love Steamboat. Yeah, and uh, Arn Anderson and probably uh, Ted, Ted DiBiase. Oh yeah, and if if you notice, I have uh, uh, pretty much all Southern heels. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. There's a fine stable there. (laughs) Exactly. So I mean, that's that's why I I didn't realize it till later, but that's what I always gravitated to. I didn't get I didn't gravitate towards the the big muscular, you know, whatever. You know, mm-hmm. I always looked at, uh, I guess, the um, the wrestling itself. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and like, people, when I was a kid and I'd say, hey, I'm going to be a professional wrestler, the first thing they would say to me is, you know, 
well, how do you know you're going to be big enough? And I didn't, I didn't understand the question at all. You mm-hmm. know, when I was a kid, I was like, what do you mean big enough? You know, I don't, I don't understand what you mean. I mean, if I'm good enough to be a wrestler, I'm good enough to be a wrestler, yeah. you know? Um, and I think that's where some people, uh, things have changed over the years because now people think that a wrestler should look like this certain type of mold. This The John this Cena type. Well, this, John Cena's built, but it's always, you know, built, short hair, black trunks, abs. Yeah. You know, yep. I think that's really what everyone kind of sees in professional wrestling, but. Generic wrestler template zero one. (laughs) (laughs) You know, that's wrestling was a window to the world. You know, I watched wrestling and I saw, uh, I saw Wild Bill Irwin. I saw Bam Bam Bigelow. I saw a Tully Blanchard. I saw a Brad Armstrong. Mm -hmm. And then we had a guy like Lex Luger. Mm -hmm. You know, that that fit a certain criteria, but not everybody looked like that. And everybody had their own way. The best, the best matches are always. When it's a style versus a style, mm-hmm. you know what I mean. Well, if, I've got I've got a question style. for you on the current product, and sure. we're going to talk about this a little bit later. And and Derek tried to egg me on into telling him this in text message, and I started <laughs> I started writing a paragraph on this, and I realized nope, this needs to go on the podcast. Um, what is your opinion on Kevin Steen, Kevin Owens, whatever we want to call him? Um, you know, going through NXT so quick making it to the main roster and everything. To me, it's kind of a it's just kind of a total dyslexic look at what they've done so far with everyone else, but this is just my opinion and I'm going to talk about it later on, but uh I want to hear your opinion on it. <laughs> All right. So my thing is that you go to NXT, you're supposed to go to NXT to learn how to work television mm-hmm. right that is supposed to be a grooming period to learn how to work WWE television mm-hmm. you know the thing is they have a hundred guys that are signed to NXT mm-hmm. you know and what 12 15 of them maybe get on television mm-hmm. you know what they're doing really is what they're doing is they're hoarding talent mm-hmm. you know they've got so much talent now and there's no way that all of them are going to get on NXT TV and even fewer of them are going to make it to the main roster, to be honest. So what you have is you have a system where, you know, they're, they're just they're holding talent. Mm-hmm. So with Kevin Steen, to me, it wasn't – they're trying to be better than the ROH. You know, they're trying to find that niche to take away from, guy, from products like that. Yeah. You know? So, and to me, Kevin Steen, everyone talks about the T-shirt, and everyone talks about his, you know, him being overweight and stuff like that. Like I said, to me, if you can wrestle, you can wrestle. Mm-hmm. Understand? So that was never an issue with me. But to me, personally, I don't like Kevin Steen's work. Mm-hmm. I don't like his character. I don't like, I don't know if that's an extension of himself or not, but he is a nonchalant heel. Okay. And every time you hear him talk, it's like, uh, yeah, I'm going to wrestle him, and um, yeah, I'm just going to beat him. You know, I mean, it's very nonchalant. To me, the only way that the only person that a nonchalant heel gets over is himself. He never gets over the other guy. And I totally have to agree with you there. I Everybody's, like, ranting and raving about these promos and stuff like that. I have yet to be impressed by a promo. 
I have yet to be impressed by a promo. And everybody's well, I, everybody's just ranting. Oh, he cuts great promos. He cuts a great promo. He cuts a better promo than Bray Wyatt. I'm like, no, sorry, <laughs> no, no. no. <laughs> but the thing is, too, like, I've, and people say, well, you got to watch his Ring of Honor stuff. I've watched, I've watched. You know me. I've watched a bunch of stuff. So I've seen his Ring of Honor stuff, and it's easy to be cool and cuss and nonchalant and be over. Mm-hmm. Okay, but that's not your job as a heel. Your job as a heel is to have heat. Mm-hmm. Right, and if you look at Monday Night's a prime example, Dan, you know me for several years now. Do you think if I beat John Cena in my first night on Monday Night Raw, what kind of promo do you think I could cut for that? Oh God, I'd never hear the end of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, no, I mean, I, I, I mean that the wrong. I don't take that the wrong way. I mean, you, you'd be, you'd definitely cut a promo for the ages, you know. So, but, but that's what I'm saying. I've, took, I've taken less and made more out of it, right? Exactly. And to, me, and to me, he did one of the biggest things you can do in this business right now, and it was a very underwhelming promo. Because it, it was, of course, I'm seeing I mean, what do you think was going to happen, you know? Mm-hmm. So then, and then we got a real education because when John Cena come out and cut his promo, in my opinion, he blew him out of the water. Because yeah. cause Cena, to me, has always been a money promo guy. Oh, yeah. And he knew, that, he knew Kevin Steen was going to come out there and cut that nonchalant kind of thing, and he went he went over the top with it and just hit a home run, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. I, You know, it, that may just be the scripting of his character right now, not him not being able to control it or whatever. I don't know, but... I just I have yet to see him blow me out of the water with a promo, you know, and it, it's uh, you know, and it's like you said, I I haven't watched any of the Ring of Honor stuff, uh, and I need to go back and do that. I'll probably YouTube that when I go home tonight, just because I do need to see it. But uh, you know, as far as his WWE promos, I'm sorry, I'm just not impressed. I mean, it, either they need to pull the plug on whoever's writing his promos, or they need to let him do his own stuff. But I'm just not impressed so far. Uh, wrestling ability, my God, yeah, you know, uh, what's he weigh? Two hundred seventy-five, two hundred sixty pounds. You know, uh, that moonsault he did at the pay-per-view was uh, one of the most impressive things I've ever seen a two hundred seventy-five pound guy do. It, but you know, can I interject something right? Go ahead. On that point, you know how we always talk about we talk about everything to build, right? Mm-hmm. So you always want to build to the bigger stuff, okay? Mm-hmm. Him missing the moonsault was bigger than him hitting the swanton. Yeah. So those mm-hmm. two things should have been reversed. Yeah. And if Dude. you watch everyone's everyone of course, I mean it was a good match. Don't get me wrong, it was it was a really good match. But Cena kicked out of probably twenty finishers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, and then Kevin Steen beat him. You know, so who really comes out looking at, look, looking stronger? Does it? Does Steen come out just because he beat John Cena? Or does John Cena look better because, you know, he got hit with, you know, 20 missiles? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, and that just seems to be a problem with the WWE right now. It, that No one sells. Uh, no. These big moves, you know, like Rocky S- Johnson, his finisher was a drop kick. Like what Stone Cold it's, was talking about yeah, on the podcast. Yeah, yeah exactly. What he, what he brought up. Remember when the DDT... You did that on somebody, the match was over. And WWE has gotten about that. It seems to be more about getting, at least to me, and this is my untrained eye, it seems to me like they're trying to get these more of those this is awesome chants 
than trying to put on a sound wrestling match and build towards a big finish like typically they've done in the past. Right. You have to be – it all starts with the person. You need to be invested in the person. You know, Stone Cold Steve Austin had an awesome finishing move. Stone Cold Stunner is one of the most iconic finishers in wrestling, and uh, it really was a huge part of, of what made Stone Cold successful. But we were invested in him and him himself. Mm-hmm. You know, it, you know, he wasn't going out there trying to get an, a, a, this is awesome chant. You know, he was he was a hero and he had a villain to work with. Yeah, he was and, the blue collar yeah, hero, yeah. and you know, they he was out there, you know, playing it to the hilt. So we were everybody was fully vested in Stone Cold. I know I was. So <laughs> Diamond Dallas Page to me is another one of those guys because the Diamond Cutter when he first started doing it, and pulling it out of anywhere. That was yeah. awesome, and a lot of people hate, may hate on Diamond Dallas Page. I I happen to love that guy. I like them. I like DDP too. Um, I think yeah, uh, I, I think uh, Golden Boy is actually a DDP yoga fan. I am a huge. I wouldn't be wrestling right now if I wouldn't be for DDP yoga. <laughs> <laughs> I'm contacting them for a sponsorship right now. Seriously, <laughs> <laughs> that's a shoot. I mean, I couldn't. Um, I could barely. I could barely move. Um, my back and my legs were giving me. Um, a lot and a lot of trouble. And of course, I'm overweight, but even with that, it was it was even harder. But since I did the yoga, I stretch all those muscles out and keep everything uh, kind of lined up where it should be. And um, you know, I don't I don't see myself ever stopping. But you know how that goes. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, we uh, our bodies give out before long before our minds do. I think, <laughs> or our hearts. Yeah. <laughs> you know, my family. You know they. They don't want to see me, you know, beat up too bad. Obviously, and they they've asked me, you know, why don't you just why don't you just promote? Why don't you just book? Why don't you just do that? And uh, my answer is always, well, I can do that when I'm sixty. Yeah. You know, you know, I'm gonna wrestle for as long as I physically can. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I just you know when I, the reason I quit, I I just got started getting bad arthritis in my knees and everything. And, you know, uh, me and John Michael both, you know, John Michael, I know he's got problems with his knees. So, you know, and that was the reason he stepped away for a while or I don't know if he's going to come back or not. But, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd rather be able to walk than wrestle myself, you know. <laughs> but that's just me. It's a coin flip to me. It depends on what day you ask me, I think. Yeah. <laughs> Mowing the yard. Oh, man, the knees are acting up. I yeah. think I'm going to take a break, but – that's with me. As <laughs> <laughs> you do the same thing I do. Where's that damn neighborhood kid? <laughs> oh. But yeah, um, um, subjects, though, the um, a good thing about this is something we need to talk about. Just the the word tweener bothers me a lot. Uh huh. <laughs> I don't know if it bothers anyone else as much as it bothers me, but you mean but tweener does not a tweener does not exist. Tweener between heel and face is what you're talking about, right? It's guys, I've, I've been to shows before, so this happened a lot in the oh god in the houses. But everyone be like, "Well, I'm not, I'm not really a heel. I'm a, I'm a tweener." Yeah, you know, there's no such thing as a tweener. Either they love you or they hate you. Anything in between is doesn't work. You know, and everyone wants to point to Stone Cold Steve Austin and say, "Well, Stone Cold Steve Austin was a tweener." No, no, no. Stone Cold Steve Austin was a babyface. Mm-hmm. He was the big babyface in the history of the business <laughs> because they loved him. Mm-hmm. You know, he had a set of morals that were his own, but he still had a set of morals. 
Exactly. And, you know, I think some of that goes back to um, when the NWO got big because at first, you know, they were massive heels, but then they started becoming like they were cool. the, They were the cool thing. They, were, they started doing the cool heels, and that, I think that started that whole transition, at least to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I've, I've been to too many shows, and, <clears throat> and uh, I, th- I think one of my pet peeves has always been um, and I'm, and I think you've seen this a while too. Um, guys who don't want to put people over because they've got friends in the crowd. Oh, my friends came to see me to wrestle tonight. They've got to see me win. And like, no, they don't. They got to see you entertain somebody, dude. You know, and and that's that was always one of my pet peeves, actually. And it's yeah. some of the reasons that I won't even wrestle and I won't even talk about certain people to this day was the fact that you know I walked into a wrestling locker room. And I was slated on the card to go over somebody. And then that person walked in, saw that, and went immediately to the booker. And five minutes later, it was changed. You know, it was like, I'm going to do it this way, or I'm going to go home. Well, you know, my attitude was always, well, take your ass home then, because I'm here to wrestle and I'm here to entertain. If you don't want to put on a show for people and you don't want to do what the booker wants to do, you're not the booker. So go home. (laughs) You know? And uh, that's that's just kind of you know my way of thinking and everything. Um, I, the tweener was one of your pet peeves. What's another one of your pet peeves? Well, what you just talked about is actually one of my pet peeves too. It's, it's from the Booker standpoint. It's when you go up to someone and you give them a finish, and they kind of give you that blank stare, and they're like, "Well, what about if we do this?" Mm, and yeah. I'm like, "Motherfucker, don't you know I thought about this for four <laughs> weeks, and you thought about it for four seconds?" <laughs> <laughs> You think you know what the finish I gave you accomplishes everything that I want to accomplish in this match, whether it's to get you more heat, whether it's to get this guy more over, whether it's whatever we're trying to do, this is the finish. You know, so that's always been one of my pet peeves. You know, Flash and Rob Conway and and Nick Dinsmore and that whole OVW crew, Mm -hmm. you know, they've all said this independently to me. You know, so I'm sure it was, you know, something that Danny Davis or whoever told them was, you know, show up on tonight, keep your mouth shut, and do what you're told. Exactly. You know, and that's and that's really how you keep a job in professional wrestling. Mm-hmm. You know, whatever they give you, you do it to the best of your ability. Well, you know, you, you know me, I, I worked for you on more than one occasion. And, yeah. you know, I, I never came into a locker room and told you how to book me. I was always like, okay, what do you want me to do, you know? And that's the way it should be. That's the way these young people need to be taught. You know, the the guys that I'm sure you're you're drilling it into their brains uh, on the training sessions every Wednesday over there at NWA Mid South. And you know, I I swear, you know, it's like more than more often than not, somebody's like, well, you know, I took three finishers last week. I should take four this week just to put me down, you know, because I keep coming back. <laughs> and you're like, no, dude, dude, just shut up and do what you're told. You know, there's a reason for everything, you know. I I've had two matches in my career, and I'm doing that in quotations because <laughs> this it wasn't is, a career. Derek Chopel, uh Golden Boy, uh, Bud Chopel over in Arkansas. Do you know Bud Chopel? I've heard the name. I don't. I don't know him personally. Well, okay. he's he does a sports radio talk show up there, and he's done some things with. Um, I don't know if you know these names. Sexy Sam Dollar. You probably know Austin Lane. Yeah, I know Sexy Sam too. He was around. He, uh, he actually he managed me a few times. Okay, he, sex. He's hilarious. 
behind the scenes. Yeah. He 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 really had me laughing a lot behind the scenes. But anyway, he uh, I, I had two matches, and my point when they came in and they told me anything I was supposed to do, nodded and said yes, sir, because mm-hmm. you know more than I do, mm-hmm. and I'm gonna zip it. That's exactly and, the and, way it should be. So and then Austin had to land his fat thigh on my nose and almost break it. And <laughs> <laughs> but that's a whole other story for a whole other day. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, you the know, with, with being a booker, you know, your job is to not just book a match. Your job is to book a show, to book a whole card, mm-hmm. to book months and weeks and things like that. So, and that's why it's very hard, in my opinion. I'm not a big fan of, of booking committees because booking committees, you know, things get chopped up and rearranged and don't really work. Mm-hmm. You know, but when you have one vision and and someone smart enough. They can all gear towards that one vision, and that's why guys are like, "Well, why don't why can't I do this?" Well, because we're doing that with him four weeks from now. You know, that's not for you; that's for him. You right. Know? We can't have you can't have five no DQ matches on the show. Mm-hmm. You, know? you have to save everything. <laughs> right. That's uh, that's like a you know the. Uh what we've been talking about just about every podcast now, you know, is like WWE always books it, you know, do you want it to be a street fight, a backstage brawl, or do you want it to be no disqualification? And we're like, wait, what? He's <laughs> <laughs> so like, you're stupid, you're stupid, or C, you're stupid. Yeah, and it's, <laughs> or, or it's like, do you want to see Seth Rollins versus Randy Orton, Seth Rollins versus Roman Reigns, or Seth Rollins versus Randy Orton and Roman Reigns? Like, what? You, of course, we're gonna pick the triple threat match. Mm-hmm. Come on, yeah. Just go ahead and book a minute anyway. Damn it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it it's uh, it's really cool. You know, I I know you have just waited and waited so long for stuff, something like NWA Mid South to come along in the Dyersburg area. You know, so you can actually, you know concentrate solely on something like that and i know that's been your pet project for the past several months now and uh i i gotta tell you i'm impressed with the show you know i've been impressed with the show since day one i think we keep a steady roster of guys coming in and out of there which is what the area needs they do not need to see the same eight ten twelve guys every week because it just gets stale it's like every other show that's around there it just gets stale. And then, you know, occasionally you have your big shows, like you're going to have on June 20th with the uh, St. Jude Slamathon. And you're going to have, I think, Savio Vega coming in. And, uh, God, who else? I've, I've, I'd like to pull it up if I can. Uh, it's actually, it's, uh, it's Americos and Savio Vega. Mm-hmm. First, myself and Matt Riviera mm-hmm. representing the Empire. Um and that's an, that's another thing you've been involved in lately too, the Empire. You guys have just kind of been taking over indie wrestling over in Texas and Las Vegas, and I mean, you know, you're making the rounds. You're making the you're making the circuit, as they used to say. You know. <laughs> you know, obviously, the template is always going to be horseman like. You know, yeah. and with the horsemen, it was always you know they were they were the the four best workers. And they went out there every night, and they had, you know, the best three or four matches on every card they were on, you know? That was kind of their deal. Mm-hmm. With us in the Empire, you know, I main event stuff in Tennessee. Matt will main event somewhere in, you know, maybe Arkansas or somewhere like that. Ken Storm will main event somewhere in Texas. 
Steve Anthony will main event somewhere in Louisiana. I mean, how many other groups can you name that we're all we're spread out enough like that to where, you know, we're all main eventing large shows on our own like that? Mm-hmm. You know, we really are a collective group like that. But at the same time, we're we're when someone says the Empire in Texas, when someone says the Empire in Homer, Louisiana, I went I went to Homer, Louisiana one time. <laughs> You know, in the last two years. Mm-hmm. But when they say the Empire in Home of Louisiana, they name every one of them. Yeah. You know, they know who the Empire is, all of it. You know, and that's and I think that's a testament to really, you know, um, to all of our hard work. Yeah. And, and you know, the night we had the big show in Dyersburg, I, we came pretty close to selling out, I think. If we didn't, I don't know. I didn't really get a number on that show, but I'm pretty sure we came close to selling out if we did not sell out. Yeah, we were we were packed. Yeah, we were packed that night. Yeah, I think uh, we were still bringing chairs in for people and stuff when the show started. <laughs> yeah, we took some from the locker room and everything else. And yeah, I think we had some. We ended up having actually some people standing too. Mm-hmm. Which is great. Uh, I hate people yeah, stood they, up, but still. <laughs> they paid five dollars and they stood up. So I'll take gotta, that. They got to help the show either way. That's right. Um, let's see. Um, you got the you got the card for this week pulled up there, Mike. Uh, we got uh, main event for uh, this week is going to be Lil Chris and uh, Band the Man Horn, I believe. Yeah, uh, you know, they they wrestled last week and uh, Van got himself disqualified and took some cheap shots on on Lil Chris, and I guess now he's looking to uh, to. Uh, Get a little redemption, job, yeah. He so he's uh, he's calling out little Chris again, and and uh, I, I think he's he's just got a he's got a big crawl on himself about the the posse. He doesn't really he doesn't like the posse. He doesn't like the fact that they they were NWA champions, mm-hmm. and he's never been NWA champion of any kind. So he's he's got a little bit of uh, a little bit standing in his crawl about that. And Van the Man Horn was actually in WWE close to twenty or thirty years ago, wasn't he? Yeah, he did some some WWF superstars and things like that. He's been in the ring with guys like, you know, Shawn Michaels and Randy Savage, and you know the list goes on and on. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it almost reads like a who's who of wrestling when you when you talk about some of the guys he's been in the ring with. I think the British Bulldogs, you know, I mean, Heart Foundation. I mean, it just it's um it's almost ridiculous mm-hmm. the, the guy's resume. And he um he wrestles for you know five years and then he'll take some time off and he'll come back re- rejuvenated and you know he's um he's uh he's definitely making a uh, name for himself again here in NWA Mid-South. Yeah and he's uh he's wrestling he's been wrestling on some shows down in Mississippi too and everything I know Bruno was actually uh you know pretty happy to see him because he ran into him in the locker room he was like is that is that Van Man Horn? <laughs> <laughs> it's just like and yeah and right when Bruno got his start in WWE that's when uh Van Horn, Van the Man Horn was already there, you know, and yeah. had already been there for a few years, you know, and, uh, you know, the, the, they met up then, and uh, here they were 30 years later meeting in a locker room in Dyersburg, Tennessee again. So, and uh, y'all got y'all, y'all's, uh, is that full throttle event? Is that uh, this Saturday as well? Yeah, the, um, you know, the full throttle saloon, you know, they had the reality show and things like that. They have a distillery in Trimble, Tennessee, and they have a car show every year. Mm-hmm. And, uh, year um we're gonna be wrestling out there from two to four um should be should be a pretty big event they, you know they've got live music and car show and you know that whole deal so 
we're out there to provide a little bit of extra entertainment for that. So. I'm not. Uh, I'm not geographically inclined. Uh, wh- how far is that from Dyersburg? Trimble is about 20 minutes north of uh, Dyersburg. Okay. Okay. So you can, you can go and see uh, the Full Throttle show and then go and see Dyersburg later that night, just 20 minutes away. Yeah, exactly. You know, we're trying to – like I said, we're trying to – one thing with us, too, is we're trying to be a part of the community. Mm-hmm. You know, things – wrestling has such a – leaves such a bad taste in some people's mouths over things that have happened over the years, and that's all we're trying to do. We're trying to provide a family-friendly environment for everybody from ages 5 to 85 to come enjoy themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, we want people to understand that, um, you know, we're, we're a, uh, a local business just like anyone else. And we need, we need the support of our community just like anyone else. So. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I think that's where a lot of, uh, local companies have failed too, where they, they failed to get the community involved. And, uh, that's, yeah. you know, you always got to have community mean, backing. A lot of, a lot of shows, always try to think that they're the next ECW. Mm-hmm. You know, so they try to be cutting edge, and they try to do this, and they try to do that, and basically all they're doing is shooting themselves in the foot. Yeah. You know? I've, I mean, I, I like ECW, obviously, because I was, you know, 18 years old when ECW was hot. But, I mean, um, I'm more of a fan of, of the Crockett NWA stuff and the uh, the uh, Mid-South, you know, Bill Watts' Mid-South stuff, and and Florida Championship Wrestling and things like that. I mean, to me, that's that was good for everybody. You mm-hmm. know, it was good for kids, it was good for adults, it was good for grandparents. You know, so to me, you know, wrestling can be that. Yeah, and I and you know, I I really really do hope that uh, NWA Mid South is a successful venture for the next several years. I really do because you know I. In the seven years that I wrestled, there were so many companies that came and went. You know, I mean, it just it was it was mind boggling, and right. you know, it was just like every other week we were sent someplace, and it was mainly because that place was dwindling in numbers, and they needed help to get the numbers back up, so they had to actually have good workers. So they called Ken Wayne, and Ken sent me Nichols, Eric Wayne, Greg King, Kevin Charles in, and we would try to you know, make it to where people could actually work again and get the numbers back up and going and everything. And, and, you know, but it was already too little too late and the doors would be closed like two or three weeks from then. You know, (laughs) I can't count how many times that happened. I mean, I was like at least six or seven times when, when stuff like that would happen. Oh yeah. That's the way it was with us too. I mean, we had a really good group of young guys with me and John Michael and Stan and and Chris O'Neill and Christian Jacobs and, just a host of guys that would go in and we really loved and cared about the business and we never had an ego towards each other. We always worked together and we were carpenters. We built the business, you know, and we would build it up and we would, we would get stuff going, but then it usually the booker would usually hot shot it, mm-hmm. you know, and do everything they possibly could within six months to a year. And then there was nothing left to do. And of course the numbers would just fall off, mm-hmm. you know, so, I mean, that's why I talk, when I talk about longevity, that's what I mean. You know, when I I ran um, I ran All-American Pro Wrestling in Illinois, and we had television. Mm-hmm. We had 13 weeks worth of television, and in the 13 weeks, at the end of 13 weeks, we had a big show that drew over 500 people. We had, you know, Adrian Neville versus 
Sami Zayn when they were, you know, Pac and El Generico. Mm-hmm. You know, we had Cole Cabana. We had me. We had Eric Wayne. We had Edwin Livewire McGuire. I mean, it was just a really, really good card. And I told the whole locker room that night when they saw how many people were out there, I said, you know, we've been in 13 weeks of television. You know, I've been in the booker for, I think, six months at this point or something like that. And I said, we've never turned anyone heel. We've never turned anyone face. We've never done any kind of gimmick match. We've never done anything. There's so much story left to tell in this mm-hmm. that we could go on, you know, forever. Yeah. You know, and I think that really resonated with him because everyone was like, really? I mean, we really hadn't. We, didn't, we hadn't done any of that stuff, you know? Yeah. Which usually is the first thing people do, you know? Yeah. They got to get a gimmick match right off the bat to get people in the door. No, you don't. Yeah. You got to tell a story. <laughs> <laughs> Watching Elimination Chamber Sunday, one thing I noticed that if you watch that Dean Ambrose-Seth Rollins match, it started off with some chain wrestling. You know, they were going back and forth, and I was like, where has this been? Mm-hmm. I missed it. That match ended up being very entertaining. It was probably one of the better matches on the card, except for that IC match, which was very was train wreck. We will talk about that later. <laughs> yeah, we'll talk about that later. <laughs> but it, it was quite refreshing to actually see, like, chain wrestling and arm locks and reverses and quick, you know, quick yeah, transition. I mean, well, There's a time and a place for everything, but I mean that's that's what wrestling is. You, you you're you're laying the groundwork, you're telling your story. You know, guys like Shawn Michaels and, and Kurt Angle when they work and they, and they start out with with just wrestling, you know. And by the end of it, you know, people are on their feet because here comes the super kick, here comes the anchor lock, here comes the angle slam, here comes the elbow off the top, here comes the kip up, you know, here comes all this stuff. But they laid all that groundwork and they they built gradually built it up into this crescendo mm-hmm. you know that, that's what a match is supposed to be yeah and and you know just like Derek said it started out with wrestling and it started building and building and building and then you know it escalated into what it was at the end which was high spot high spot high spot which is the way a match is supposed to go you're supposed to get everybody's attention at the front and you're like oh yeah all right all right you know and then they and then you know off to the races later you know so, but yeah, um, one more time, every Friday night, or I'm sorry, every Saturday night, excuse me, I, I, I announced this show, I should know when it is, God almighty. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you work a lot. I work a lot, that's my excuse. So, but yeah. Every Saturday night, bell time, 730, at the Herb Welch Wrestleplex in Dyersburg, Tennessee, 1827 St. John, Dyersburg, Tennessee, 38024. And what's your Twitter? My Twitter is at NWA Golden Boy. Mm-hmm. And uh, at NWA underscore Mid South is the NWA Mid South Twitter. And uh, you're on Facebook. So is NWA Mid South. And yep, uh, NWA Mid South, and you can search Greg Anthony on Facebook. And um, we're, you know, obviously you you know that NWA Mid South. We're very. Um, social media conscious you know we have we have a lot of things that go on there we we're constantly telling people where we're at what's going on mm-hmm. things like that you really want to keep up with what's going on that's the, that's the best way to do it mm-hmm. and that's uh you know that's pretty much it greg i i really appreciate you calling into the show man you're awesome I've, i love you to death brother and uh yeah. you know i i really hope to get out the nwa mid-south again sometime soon it's just my personal 
conflicts are overwhelming right now, <laughs> and we can talk. We can talk about that off the podcast, and uh, you know. But uh, you know, it's. I really do. I love the show. It it is honest to God the best show I've seen in seven years of working the business. So you know, I I really wish great things for everybody there, including you. And uh, you know. Thanks again for joining us on the podcast, and uh, and we'll, we're going to get you back on, Greg. We really, like I said, we really, we really, really do appreciate you. Definitely, coming on. And you're definitely. The, you're the you're the first official guest of the Oversell Podcast, man. I hope you, <laughs> I hope you as honored as we are. This is the first. Of, he's a, he's the first for a lot of things. You know, he's always a champion wherever he goes. You know, and uh, he's he's you know, there's always a first for Greg wherever he goes. You know, so it, it, it's no it's no secret here now. He's the first official guest of the Oversell Podcast. So. Yeah, I don't know if I told you, but I tagged with Bobby Eaton. Do you remember me saying that? Yeah. About 20 times? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. All right, Greg. Well, once again, thank you so much for coming on the show. And, and Absolutely. All right, we'll talk to you later. All right, that is it for this week's show. I want to thank Greg Anthony for coming on. Be sure you're following NWA Mid-South. They are at NWA underscore Mid-South. Be sure you're following us on Twitter. We are at Oversell Podcast. You can also go to OversellPodcast.com. I am at Shropenuts, S-C-H-R-O-E-P-N-U-T-S. I am at One Dangerous Dan, all spelled out. At WolfMike23, and I hardly ever use it. But <laughs> yeah. Feel free to follow. <laughs> follow and comment. Maybe he'll actually use it. Yeah, uh, next week on the show, Dan, what do we got? Alan Steele. All that Alan Steele from uh, MEW, from WFW, Wildfire Wrestling right here in Memphis, Tennessee. Memphis Elite, Re- Marvel Elite Wrestling, excuse me. Power Pro. Power Pro alumni. Uh, you, know, you name it, he's been around for uh, quite some time. And uh, we'll pick his brain next week, see what he has to say. All right, that's it for this week. We hope you have a great week. We will talk to you next week.